0: Grace and peace to you from God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, while we were driving here to church, Silas asked me what my sermon was about, and he said, we're not still on the Sermon on the Mount, are we? We are. One more week. This week. The Sermon on the Mount is a lot of things that Jesus had to say and this is our final week of this season, next week will be Transfiguration and we'll move into Lent, that we hear these words from Jesus, these words of how we should live our life and what it is that the kingdom of heaven is like. I can tell you that these words in particular, these explanations of the law that Jesus gives, Many have only heard judgment and impossible tasks from them. Many hear impossible standards that they spend their lives trying to follow and find themselves losing much of who they are. One might say, Jesus says, you should never be angry at another. And so a person trying to follow this might stuff their anger, their upset, their frustration down and away so that they turn into something of a doormat, always allowing the other person to get their way, always allowing everything to go on. They may see problems in the world, destruction and anger and poverty and homelessness that make them angry, and they say, well, I can't look at that because Jesus said not to be angry and I don't want to go to hell. I know for a fact that people who struggle to never look at a person with lust, who believe that even one glance might send them to hell, tend to turn other people into just objects, objects that they need to avoid. They can't see other people, especially other people of the opposite gender, as whole and complete human people rather than just potential objects of lust. I know many people who have been divorced and who have struggled with Jesus' teaching, saying that there is only one good reason to be divorced. And unfortunately, I've known of pastors and religious leaders who have told people to stay in abusive and harmful situations because... They believe that that is what Jesus is saying here in this text. (laughs) And I have heard people struggle with Jesus' words about swearing and vows and focus on what they can control on their language, focus on not saying any curse words, on not saying the wrong thing rather than what their words are doing to others, how their words are affecting people. If we just read these words in Matthew and know nothing else of Jesus or the God who created us all, we might get a very particular and uncomfortable picture of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, it seems, would be a place where we have to be careful about what we say or what we do or what we think, where we have to turn ourselves away from other people for fear of misstepping, for fear of thinking wrong, saying the wrong thing, and finding ourselves in hell. But I know this Jesus. I've read his words, his stories, and I know the God that Jesus is. And when we look at all of the rest of our texts in scripture, and even just the readings we have assigned today, I know that this is not the outcome that Jesus was seeking. In our Old Testament text, we see Moses before the people of Israel. Moses has given them the law, and he tells them, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Choose life. Moses is telling the people that if they follow these laws, they will thrive. If they follow these commandments, they will live together in harmony. Things will be good. They will have life. The rest of much of the Old Testament is, in fact, the people showing that this is a struggle. It's not a simple, single choice. But still, that is the choice that Moses sets before them. Follow God's law and choose life, or wander away from God and choose death and struggle. And in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Oh, he's mad. He's mad because the Corinthians are so focused on the wrong things. They are causing tears and ruptures within their very community because of who taught who and who baptized who. And he says, you are all one people. Sure, Apollos did some things and I did others, but God is the one who unites you. I can almost hear Paul saying, choose life. Choose to be reconciled. Choose to not follow these petty arguments that only seek to separate you. I know from Jesus, from the rest of his Sermon on the Mount, as well as from the rest of his teachings and what he shows us, that the kingdom of God is a place of life is a place where the choice for life is easy to make. The kingdom of God is a place where all relationships are life-giving rather than draining, abusive, or harmful. The kingdom of God is a place where there is no need for anger because others are not harming you or someone you love. The kingdom of God is a place where there is no need for despair, for destruction, for people to be separated, broken. But of course, we are not yet fully in the kingdom of God. Jesus also knows that we live in a world full of sinful people and we ourselves are bound up in sin. We are going to make mistakes We are going to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. We are going to be angry at our neighbor. We are going to look at our neighbor in a way that we should not. So God urges us, urges us to pay attention to reconciliation. To pay attention to the fact that God is present in all of us. So Jesus says, don't sit there and assume that you're perfectly in the kingdom because you haven't murdered anybody. I mean, it's good. Don't murder people. But remember if your heart is burning in anger against someone, that that is hurting you and them, causing real pain. So go. Find a way to be reconciled. Remember that they are your brother or sister in Christ. God wants you to look at people as more than just what they can be in a bedroom. Don't focus on someone's attractiveness to you to the point that you can't see who they are as whole and complete people. And certainly in a relationship, don't be going off looking at other people in ways that would cause harm to your partner. Be reconciled to them. Be kind and loving to them as whole human people, as your sisters and brothers in Christ, as God's beloved. And of course, With the conversation about divorce, it is important to remember that at this time, women were not allowed or able to initiate divorces. And men who did not care for their spouses, who did not see them as whole human people, beloved of God, might simply cast them aside with no resources, no recompense, no way forward. This is not what God wants for us, God wants loving and healthy and whole relationships. So be thoughtful in who you marry. Be measured even if a divorce must take place. Do so in a way that recognizes even when you're angry at somebody that they too are a beloved child of Christ. And pay attention to your words. Not worrying so much if you let the occasional curse slip by. Those of you who've heard me in the kitchen sometimes might have noticed. But pay attention to how your words affect people. Don't swear that you are going to do something and then go and forget and leave your neighbor hanging. Don't use words that degrade or denigrate others. Use your words to lift up do do what you can and promise what you can, but not beyond. In all of these things, we are a community, God says. In all of these things, in the kingdom of God, we are together. We are not going to be on our lonesome in heaven. We are not going to be only with those that we would rather have around us. We are all going to be there, living together in community. Over and over again, God meets us in community, in our relationships. So Jesus says, much like Moses before him, choose life. Choose life-giving relationships. Life giving attitudes. Choose to be mindful of how you interact with others, not to save yourself from hell, but to stay connected, to stay connected to those people that God puts into your life. When we choose life, when we choose God's kingdom, we choose one another. I promise you, I promise you that God's grace is there. God's grace is there when you make mistakes, when you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, hurt someone else or yourself. God's grace and love is there to forgive you, to pick you back up and move you forward so that you can choose life you can choose reconciliation, you can choose forgiveness. We can do the work to be the people of God, not to save us, not to keep us out of the fires of hell, but to keep us close to one another because there will be times when we need our neighbors just as there are times when they need us. And through all of it, through all of our relationships, through all of our life, God shows up and calls us to live together, to be one, to choose life as a whole. Amen.